Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for the stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I looked to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down, grab a whiskey or coffee or beer, and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories. This is AF Fireside. Today's episode is presented by Jamestown, a global real estate investment and management company known for transforming spaces into innovation hubs and community centers. Learn more at jamestownlp.com. Hey, welcome back to AF Fireside. Stoked as always to have you back with us. I am really excited for this interview. I know I say that every time, but this time I really am. I even dressed for it. Wearing my Taylor Stitch shirt today. So excited to talk to Mike, who's one of the founders of Taylor Stitch. Mike Mahar, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, my man. I'm so stoked. So, so excited. I'm Taylor Stitch fanboy over here. <laughs> Love it. So, I mean, if you're listening, if you're listening here, if you're an AF fan, you're probably have some semblance of awareness of the brand. I feel like I'm seeing you guys all over the internet, all over the place. And I love it. You guys are the only targeted ad that I ever click on. Let's be honest. Um, but for anybody who doesn't know about Taylor Stitch, can you give us a rundown of what exactly you guys are? Yeah. So, you know, I would consider us a men's lifestyle apparel brand. Um, we're based out of San Francisco, California, but we have roots in the Northeast. Um, you know, two of our co-founders, myself included, grew up in Maine, the other one outside of Philly. So, you know, we kind of, we kind of talk about the brand in a way that's like, you know, if you, if a kind of preppy, rugged Northeastern kid moved to, uh, moved to California and let their hair down a little bit, um, you know, a lot of heritage roots, you know, having grown up next to L.L. Bean, you know, ad adopted a lot of a California lifestyle. It's a, li a little more relaxed. And, you know, as we've kind of seen technology permeate the entire country at this point, you know, that was kind of our, our big moment in 2007 when we started. Technology was really only, it felt like it was only in San Francisco. And then as it permeated, everything got, you know, more and more casual, which allowed Taylor Stitch as a brand to kind of, you know, find its place a lot easier um, and fit into that world of like, hey, guys just want to wear good, rock solid, simple clothes that go with everything. And that's kind of like the, lit, the lane that we've played in for you know, quite a while now. Totally. So how would you describe, you know, what, what's the, what does the Taylor Stitch customer look like? You know, it's, <clears throat> it's funny. It's like, it's pretty broad. I remember working in the store and we get, you know, everything from, you know, 16, 17 year old denim nerds to come, you know, coming in to buy a pair of raw jeans because we were, you know, at a, at a price point that wasn't, you know, quite like the self edges of the world. Um, love key and what he's doing, you know, so we were kind of more of your entry price point into that world. But then we'd also literally get like Vietnam vets coming in to buy custom shirts because they love the story of, you know, how we're making them and just that we were like a few guys figuring this stuff out. So, you know, the, the core customer is really this like probably 25 to 45 year old, 55 year old guy. Um, you know, as we grow up, the brand grows up a little bit with us. Uh, but the, the idea with Taylor Stitch is that you never age out of it. You can like, oh, and we've, we've actually found that with our customers really, really nicely. Totally. 
yeah, I feel like there's, there's more than something for everyone. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> whether it be a father's day gift, or I see even, even had stuff come out for kids, kids this year. Um, there's definitely you know, a little bit of something. Yeah. Our, our product team's done an amazing job. Like I would say one thing we were bad at a few years ago is just making summer feel summery. Um, it's sure. probably like still a little too, little too chilly, chilly clothing. Um, and I think our product team continues to just knock it out of the park, getting better and better at that. Um, yeah. and it's fun. Like, you know, I think like the current collection out right now, that's, you know, we kind of went and shot down in Mexico city at my buddy's houses down there is, you know, it's just fun. There's like, you know, fun floral prints, but they're like, you know, in these kind of crazy seersuckery crepe fabrics, you know, I think like that's, that's always the thing that, you know, that I think really differentiates us is the fabric development that we do. Um, that is just, it's pretty, pretty visually intriguing. Totally. Yeah. And summer, summer just sucks. Like, let's, yeah. let's be real. Hey, you come from New England. You know what a summer is like here. It's it's humid and crappy. Pretty mushy. Pretty yeah, mushy. It's, it's it's not great. I think especially in this year's collection and in last year's collection too for the summer. Um, you guys did a great job of balancing out like fun and playful, but not super loud. I've seen a lot of summer shirts come out this season from other brands yeah. that are like, that's a lot. I it's cool. I'd never I'd never wear it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's fun. Like for, for me, it's sometimes fun. Like, you know, I'm pretty much like a t-shirt and jeans guy or pretty I, I actually kind of like the cobbler's kid has no shoes. Don't actually you know, wear a ton of clothes. It's fun. You know, it's fun to get dressed up now and again, but I generally keep sure. it pretty simple. It's always, it's always fun to be proven wrong by the product team. Like, you know, for instance, the Tulum, our Tulum shirt and cranberry stripe, well, you know, it's, I was like, this is just not us. Like, I just don't think, you know, but we have like the things like the workshop to test these products. In. And I'm like, you know, go for it. Like as an entrepreneur, you're like, test shit. Like, let's see what sure. happens. And when it works, you're just like, Hey, you know, good, good to know. For and sure. I, I'm really proud of the people for kind of pushing the limits on that stuff because that's what we should be doing. Seeing what our guy wants and letting them react to it. For sure. So how big is your team, you know, ballpark? How big is the Taylor Stitch team right now? Oh, it's, it's in like the kind of the 20, 20 ish people range, okay. 20, 25, never quite keep track. We keep it pretty tight. We do some out, some outsourcing, some independent contractor stuff for that. Sure. Cool. I mean, that, that is not a small team though for, for yeah. an apparel brand. That's, that's a pretty big team. Um, and it started just, just the three of you, three founders. Yeah. Just the three, just the three of us, you know, we were, sleeping sleeping in the same apartment we we called our the living room the slipper studio because nobody ever really had to get quite dressed to you know get on their laptop to sure to get whatever whatever work we were trying to get done that day done and we we're just trying to figure it out you know long long hard road of trying to figure it out i love it what were so so maybe not at that point but as you guys started to catch some steam let's say five six seven years ago um, what were some of the benchmarks that you were shooting for to be at now and have you achieved them? You know, it was, it, it was, it was funny. We were more of just like, we weren't like a crazy high growth business. You know, our kind of job was to always, like the way we looked at it was always because we didn't take a ton of venture capital. You know, we were more or less self-funded the whole way through. Um, it was continued to make a great product, you know, you know, our, like the, the kind of tenants that we live by is like 1% better every day. 
like if you think about getting one, it's kind of like a weird term, but like, you know, 1% compounded every day is you know pretty amazing. Right. Um, you know, so continue to do that, continue to like always make better product. You know, we kind of talked internally about get bigger, get better. A lot of companies get bigger and get worse. They cut corners, manufacturing, um, you know, they do things that are worse for the environment, et cetera. So it was never, for us, it was never like, we weren't big benchmarkers other than like, we want to hit these goals um, and then always be pushing. Like, it's more of like, is every decision you're making one that's beneficial for the customer and the end of the world? And if you were doing, if you were doing that, like, if, like that's more of like, we live by tenants, not benchmarks. And so like, are you making this decision? And like, you know, is this, is this the right thing to do? If so, yes, do it, you know, and let's see if it works. Gotcha. So any advice from a perspective now of a brand that's been around for quite a minute, let's, let's put yourself in the shoes of somebody or, or speaking to somebody in the shoes that's just getting started. What advice would you pass on in terms of setting those tenants and, and knowing if a lot of brands that we talked to, that have been around for a hundred years. They're the key to their success is we know who we are. We stay in our lane. You don't yeah. necessarily know that if you're just starting out, any advice for how to set those tenants in your own mind? I mean, a lot of it's talking to your customer, you know, like a figure out who those kind of first customers are and talk to them, you know, have like, we were, we're huge on community. Like, you know, we pay attention to our Reddit. We, you know, have conversations with our customers, you know, some of our best customers text me, you know, on like on their own. And, you know, a lot of it's like really just trying to stay close to that customer and being able to flex with them. You know, sometimes you like do something, you're like, Ooh, customers didn't like that. And what we've always found is that people are, are, um, they're responsive to you having a conversation. You know, it's like you do something, you're like, hey, like I mean, we're just, we're just people. Like we're going to screw stuff up. Like, you know, we're not going to have, like, we're not always going to hit the shipping window. We're not, you know, always going to like, there, something's going to go to spam. Like these things happen, but apologizing to make it right is like, you know, a huge thing that we always try and do. And, you know, that kind of relentless focus on the product and the customer, which are like, let's be real, the only two things that kind of matter in you know, to make to make one of these businesses work. It's like, you make a product that people want to buy and like, that's commerce. Um, so, you know, trying to like really think about like how that experience is all the way through is something that we're doing, that we do, you know, and like also just make it commercial. Like you got, you got to make a product that's commercial enough. I mean, like we've... Well, we, we almost did it this year. We like, we looked at using this crazy persimmon dyed fabric and to make the, to make like the raw denim, it was going to be like a $400 trucker jacket. And we were like, that's just not our, that's not our guy. Sure. Like, you know, it's too small. It's too small for us. Um, so that's not, let's not do that. And so you, sure. you, you know, it's also just being able to make those hard decisions. Totally. So did you come into kind of the interest of starting the brand? Did you come from an interest in apparel and you say the cobbler's cobbler's son analogy there honestly not at all like we my um you know the, I, it was more of like i studied entrepreneurship my um my first co-founder barrett uh, his dad brought back custom shirts from hong kong and we were more enamored by this idea of finding a shirt that fits because you know, sure. 2006 2007 when we were graduating from school um i mean the brooks brothers slim fit was still a balloon on us Right. And, you know, there was like, we couldn't find, you know, you go in and like, you go into Neiman's and for like four ninety five you can buy a Tom Ford shirt that, you know, is so, so tied up in your armpits that you can't even put your arms down. Um, 
you know, there, it was, it was all those moments where it was like, his dad brought back these custom shirts and they were like pretty reasonably priced and they look good. Like, why can't we do that? You know, and then it was like, moved to California, figure out how to do that less casually. And so that was kind of, that was the original impetus. And then, then it more blossomed from just like, I love creating communities. Um, I love, I love brands. I love things that last, you know, that's where like the true love came from. It's not like this love of fashion and, sure. you know, getting rest. It was more, it was more of a utilitarian approach to it. Sure. Totally. I guess, I guess I asked that wondering, um, kind of the secondary question there was what's the, what's your involvement now? Yeah. Now that you have a team of this size, how involved are you in the actual product itself? Yeah, I still, I still pay attention to it. You know, like the way that I've always let, led this business is to render myself obsolete at all costs. Mm-hmm. You know, I think like the, the best leaders do that because that means they hired great people and got out of their way. Um, you know, I, I still sit in on like the major product milestone meetings, but I have all of the faith in the world that like we've set a direction that these guys and like kind of given boundaries that these guys know how to flex in and out of. And, you know, I actually, I actually, I, I really enjoy when they kind of like push back, you know, this is a, this is a democracy. Like I, you know, I'm not the, the supreme ruler by any stretch of the imagination. Like I like I'm here. I'm going to question. I'm going to be like, I don't think, you know, I don't think our guys like this, but like, you know, that just means that they have the opportunity to push back, you know, with, with reasoning. And, you know, most, most all the time we do it. Totally. You know, it, were you always that, always that manager, always that leader? No, I mean, at, at the beginning, it's much harder, you know, when you're, it's, it's funny, like the bigger you get, the easier it is in many capacities because you're able, you know, you're just able to hire, you have those people that like make a bet on being a part of something really early. And then as you get better, like as you get bigger, you can hire people also that are, um, that are, you know, they just have come, come with more experience or like have natural skill sets that you, you know, you weren't able to get before. And it's funny. It's like, as the brand gets, it's just natural selection. The people that are really good from like, you know, the early days that, you know, are, are sticking with it or, st- you know, are still there that like love it. And like, you know, for other reasons, like other people have moved on and it's like not, you know, no, no harm, no foul. You know, like they just, they just had different things that they wanted to do. Um, you know, the, like, you know, the, the new people, like we've also hired have been like really good too. And so like the team, I think just gets, it gets stronger and stronger as you get, you know, as long as you keep that mission, you know, and like people uh, kind of believe in that mission. Totally. Cool, man. Well, let's dive into mission a little bit further. You guys have this tagline responsibly built for that long haul. Um, I love it. You guys have built your whole ethos around it. Um, I'm curious, first of all, if you could just kind of define what that means to you, what that means to the brand. Yeah. So responsibility is kind of like one of the key tenets um, of, of the brand, just caring about people, you know, that are making the clothes, caring about the environment, um, caring about the clothes themselves. And then the long, like we want things to last, you know, I, I, I grew up next to 15 minutes from Ella Bean and, you know, I always, like we had bean boots from the seventies that we would, you know, if, if the rubber cracked, we would put epoxy on them to, you know, kind of like a, a rubbery epoxy that, you know, to fix the cracks, you know, it was just, we were, we were taught to keep things for as long as possible. So you know, we try and make clothes that wear and not out is kind of one of the big things that we talk about as well. And so with that, 
you know, there, we basically have a few tenets. So the first thing is build things that last. The, the most responsible thing anybody can do or any brand can do is build things that last because 85% of clothing ends up in a landfill every year. Like that's inclusive of the stuff that you feel really good about dragging to Goodwill on a Saturday morning and you're like, did your spring cleaning? Like there's just such an overabundance of clothing um, being produced in the world. You know, most, you know, most of it's crap, to be perfectly honest, that just has to get thrown away. And so, you know, there's that. The second is you're caring about the materials and the people. So, you know, we're now at, I think, close to, if we're like 99%, 200% organic cotton for all the virgin cotton that we use. Um, you know, we were talking about the heavy bag tea earlier. That's 100% recycled water, neut- water neutral tea. Um, you know, wherever we can, we're using recycled nylons and polyesters where, you know, all of all leather that we use in our boots and jackets is leather working group gold certified, which is the highest, um, the highest kind of responsibility grading in all of, all of leather. Um, so super clean practices. Uh, and then, you know, we, we build, we build funds for all like a, like we always make sure that we're paying a fair living wage. We do tons of traceability around all of our materials um, and our, our partner in China has been I mean, like, honestly, I, I couldn't do it anywhere else in the world. I don't think, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there might be some other like Asian countries, but they built such an efficiency around it where when I was like, guys, we want to be hundred percent organic in the next two years. And they were like, okay, you know, we can do that. And like, they pushed with us because there was like weird indigo jacquards that they, they were like, guys, we just can't like, you know, the minimums are too high, but like, you know, they didn't give up. And so that partnership allowed us to like go from, Hey, maybe not this year, but next year. And that was, that was such an amazing thing where, you know, this is a massive manufacturer leaned in super hard to what we were doing in our mission. And, you know, we're, you know, penny pennies for them. They, you know, they, they should not, they should not care about us. They probably should have not even taken the, taken the contract in the first place, but you know, it's, it spoke, you know, so much about who they were as people um, and, you know, and how they were willing to partner with us and <clears throat> make, you know, and they, they make sure and they care. And it's like, it's, it's amazing when they like come to our office and they're so excited about it. So there's, there's um, that aspect, you know, another big one is, you know, we talked about the workshop, don't overproduce, you know, we try and make what's needed, what our customer wants, not, not much beyond that. Um, and the last thing is keep, keep product in the, um, you know, kind of with your customer. So when things are, when things are broken, we, you know, we want to fix them. We have, we have denim repair services. Um, we have our restitch campaigns that were kind of put on hold throughout COVID, but, you know, looking forward to bringing them back shortly. It was just like repair product and resell it, you know? And a lot of like, it's also fun. Like a lot of our stuff is like, it's fun to see like really old worn in jeans or wax jackets or leather boots and things of that nature. For sure. Yeah, man, that's the good stuff. So that's such a, I mean, you have such a broad kind of custom definition uh, of the word response. Let's just, let's just talk about responsibility there. Such a custom definition there. How do you go about telling that story to uh, customer base? It's, <laughs> it, it's so hard because, you know, it's, it's so easy for companies to greenwash and just like kind of say like, hey, you know, these are the things we do. And it's like, eh, it's. It's, it's, it's a little oversimplified, like responsibility and sustainability are like highly complex things and they're never perfect. And, 
you know, you can talk about carbon sequestration and, you know, you, you can go down rabbit holes and it's not, it gets like pretty intellectual pretty fast. And like, that's hard to market. You know, yeah. this is like, you know, most people in the, the days of, you know, the perpetual scroll and two second attention spans, like you don't have the opportunity to like really write long form, um, long form things. So, you know, a lot of it's like, you know, having, having these conversations, um, you know, we have an entire responsibility month, uh, where, you know, where we try and lean into that as much as possible. You know, but we're just, we're just kind of always mentioning things, mm-hmm. you know, it's trying to really deconstruct the story that I just told you into tidbits of information that you can really just kind of, you know, apprehend and comprehend really fast. Totally. Yeah. Super recognizable. Yeah. It's hard. It's a challenge. Like people, you know, like as much as people care about it, it's, you know, there's also so much greenwashing going on. It's hard to, it's hard to really differentiate yourself or get people to understand that differentiation of all the efforts that you're doing. Totally. Yeah, man, that's, uh, that is no small feat. I think you guys do a, a really solid job at it. Thank you. Thank you. I want to dive a little bit further into, into the workshop. Um, yeah. I've gotten stuff from the workshop, always getting, getting notices of cool stuff that's coming up that you might get a couple months later. Um, can you kind of give us a high level overlook of what the workshop is and then kind of maybe if you have a story as to how that came to Genesis? Yeah. So the workshop is, I mean, it's essentially an internal Kickstarter. Every Thursday we launch a new product into the workshop to test that, you know, we either may be unsure of, it may have cost a little bit more than we wanted it to like, you know, all sorts of different reasons to truly see if our customer wants it. Um, And we crowdfund those campaigns for about 30 days. And after 30 days, we take the amount produced and then we have a, a little algorithm that we use to like, you know, hey, how, how many of these were made? You know, when is it landing, um, et cetera, et cetera. This is how many extra we should make on top of it. Um, sure. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, internal Kickstarter for the most part. Um, the kind of genesis of introduction was that we had done a Kickstarter for a side hustle that was very successful. And it was kind of like a, whoa, like we were, you know, we didn't, we didn't grow up in this industry, so we didn't know how to do inventory planning. We were just making small lots of stuff and selling them out. And we're like, Hey, like, why don't we just ask our customers? This is, you know, this is way easier than trying to figure out, you know, kind of finger in the air, how much we should buy. Because the reality is nobody's good at it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just a really hard thing to do, you know, to, to, to nail, to nail it like on the head that like, we're going to sell this many things at full price. It's like, no, like there's a lot of size differentiations, like all sorts of things. So, you know, it was that, that kind of, it was January of 2015. We first, um, we first launched it, you know, and it was like, I mean, I think the best, the best product that we've ever launched in it, that was, you know, in the early days was our moto jacket. You know, we made that with golden bear. I mean, I, I remember the day it was, you know, this, this jacket was, three times the most expensive thing we'd ever launched. And, you know, we had to buy at the time it was 24 of them. You know, I'm sitting there shitting my pants being like, we're going to hear crickets. Sure. And we told a great marketing story. You know, people really, it really resonated with people. And, you know, over the course of three weeks, I think we sold like 255 of them that first year. Wow. And, you know, it's gone on to become far and away, like, you know, our top selling product of all time. Wow. But we're sitting, we're sitting there being like, we would have never bought that many. 
So like it also, it gives us the ability to sell more than we ever would have bought. Um, so it's, it's, it doesn't limit us. And it also doesn't put us underwater if we had to buy, you know, have to buy that many products. For sure. So it was super cool. So a lot, a lot of fun there. Yeah. So did you have the, the kind of internal infrastructure to support building your own system or was that a challenge? No, we have, an amazing, we have an amazing developer. And he he built it. It's actually like you know relatively um, relatively simple thing. Shit, we like built the Shopify app. Huge believers in Shopify. Always have. Always will be. Nice. Um, and you know, they're it's, it's an amazing product to use. Cool. Very cool. Well, man, we're getting close to the end point here. Wondering if you have any other big pieces of advice, valuable nuggets to pass on to the aspiring founders in our <clears> listenership. <throat> And I think it, for me, it's, it's still a lot of it goes back to those like listening to your customer, building great product, you know, and hustling. You know, I think it's like it's, it's, it's really easy to, you know, kind of just throw, throw stuff on a website, you know, try and figure it out. But I think, you know, also getting out and meeting people in person and like really having those deeper conversations. I think you can just um, can get a lot of information from people just by sitting down and talking to them. You know, so spending, spending that extra time because you can figure out how to bring that offline experience online by doing so, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that we always try and do as well. We're getting back to a world where that is uh, more bountiful than it had been. Yeah, it was nice. I was, uh, I was in, in Chicago last week and it was nice to sit at a bar and have a beer like a human amongst, yeah. uh, amongst, amongst yeah. another person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Cool. Anything, uh, anything exciting you're looking forward to coming up for the brand this summer in the next couple of months? I think we got, we got some good, uh, we're, we're actually amidst a photo shoot this week, um, kind of going down the California coast to Big Sur, which we haven't done a, we've done a big home, um, home field shoot like this cool. recently, kind of been tra- traveling to the, uh, we're in Maine, this uh, over Q1, uh, which, was, which was fun. Uh, we're in Mexico right now. And, you know, always looking forward to those things. And then we have, actually, you know, I think the most, from a product perspective, Q4 is looking really good. We did this kind of amazing kind of retro 6040 parka. Um, it's pretty, pretty epic. I put it, it's one of those things like you just put on and you're like, ah, this fits and it's awesome. Yeah. I love pretty it. Cool. That's cool. I mean, that's like, that's the time of the year. That's, that's the yeah. time. This is, we're at the beginning of the sucky season, in my opinion. <laughs> then come fall, it's, that's when it's time to shine. Uh, awesome. I'll send, you, I'll send you some of our, um, some of our, 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 uh, our heavyweight linen shorts. And summer, summer starts okay. to feel a little bit better when like, okay. there's, there's some good rugged stuff that also feels a little breezy too. Totally. I like that. Especially out here. It just gets swampy, man. You know it. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> awesome. Where can folks stay in touch, uh, keep learning about the brand and see the new stuff you have coming up? Come on over to taylorstitch.com or where, I mean, we do a lot on Instagram at taylorstitch. Um, we're not as, not as big on Twitter. We try and talk a little bit more there, but, um, you know, in our email, getting on the email list is really, you get on that cadence of like when we're launching product. We, I mean, we launch multiple new products a week. Um, so it's, it's kind of a fun little uh, tidbit of information in your, uh, in your inbox every week. Quick check. If you don't like it, there's, there's more coming down the pike. Love it. Cool, man. Well, appreciate your time. Thanks for making some time to chat with us and giving us some great advice. We'll uh, keep it in touch. Sounds good. Enjoy the rest of spring. Will do. Take care. I'm Lucas Fitz, and this is AF Fireside. 
To learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening. Today's episode is presented by Jamestown, a global real estate investment and management company known for transforming spaces into innovation hubs and community centers. Learn more at jamestownlp.com.